This is episode 533 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Emergency Burn Care. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. All right, everyone, this article comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You.com. And again, the title is Emergency Burn Care. You know, it is just going to be, it's just a matter of fact that at some point, especially if you are in a survival type, emergencies type uh, situation that someone is going to get burned, whether that is because someone is cooking with a barbecue pit or you're cooking on some burners or something along those lines, someone's going to get burned at some point. And uh, hopefully it's not the real severe third and fourth degree burns out there. I've seen those uh, on my brother's arm when we were younger, and that is not fun to see. I mean, I was younger, he was younger. And, you know, I guess I'm coming at it from that standpoint. I can only imagine what it was for my parents to see something like that. So this is something that we want to make sure that we have some supplies so that we can take care of it. And more than more importantly, that we know how to take care of it. So let's go ahead and jump into this article again from Beans, Bullets, Bandages and You.com, Emergency Burn Care. I do some volunteer work for the Red Cross. And one thing we can count on is that when the going gets cold, there are a lot more fires. We fend off the cold with the fire, but the fire isn't very particular about what it bites. Burns make up 2 to 8% of wilderness injuries, not counting sunburns, even though they can actually be serious in some cases. We've talked about burns before here at 3BY, but let's take a deeper look into the subject today. So, burns are no fun, they hurt a lot. Big news, right? Worse, the only definitive care for serious burns, third and fourth degree burns where the burned area is no longer painful because the nerves are destroyed, is grafting, which won't be available without advanced medical care. To help avoid the burns, be aware of where most of the injuries come from. In adults, that's contact burns from tools used for cooking or for light or hot coals and scalds from very hot fluids. In children, scalds are most common. That's one reason I love the Kelly Kittle. So reviewed here. And guys, there's going to be a lot of links uh, interspersed between in this article. It's got a good system of pouring without burning myself or getting a face full of steam. And the fire is safely contained. Here's a reminder. We have no sponsors and have zero financial interest in mentioning any particular product. So note, I'm not a physician and don't give medical advice. This is a summary of information from the literature, not recommendations from Spice. So the first thing to do should be done fast, as burns can get worse if the heat level isn't taken down immediately. Of course, stop, drop, and roll if the person's actually a fire. Then cool, not ice cold if you can help it, running water, or if there's not enough water for that, Cool compresses should be applied as soon as possible. If there's something hot close to the skin, such as a woolen glove soaked with boiling water, remove it immediately. 
If ice is all you've got to cool with, it will obviously cool effectively, but shouldn't be left on for more than a few minutes as it impedes helpful blood flow and may cause frostbite. So first degree burns, no blisters and red and painful, don't need care, although some of the techniques below may improve comfort. Second degree, blistering, red and painful will be discussed below. Even on a more serious burn, there's usually areas of second degree burning at the edges. Third and fourth degree burns, where the tissue is charred or white, hard, without sensation, are not expected to heal without advanced medical care, but one can still treat the second degree burning at the edges and deal with the hydration and pain issues discussed below. So percentages of total body surface area affected by the burn and that is percentage TBSA, and the reason I'm going to say that again because it is uh, referred to a couple of different times here. So that's uh, total body surface area, right? So affected by the burn, that's a percentage, is used to describe the extent of the damage and helps guide treatments. It matters because it can help guide treatment as will be discussed below. So there are two ways to estimate the percentage of TBSA easily. So number one, the palm of the hand represents about 1% TBSA. So if both palms would just cover the area of damage, it's a 2% TBSA injury. Number two, the rule of nines is used for more extensive burns. Each arm is about 9% of your TBSA. Each leg, 8%. Front of torso, 18%. Back of torso, 18%. Head and neck, 9%. So that's a good way of estimating uh, how much of the body is burned, uh, what percentage is TBSA. Again, that's total body surface area. So one hand is worth uh, 1% of the body, and then you have the nines with you know arms are nine, legs are 18, torso 18, and then head and neck would be nine. So let's move forward with cleaning up the burn. So it won't surprise anyone that you should wash the wound to remove debris. If the unfortunate sole was in contact with plastic that has melted into or onto their surface, don't try to pull out all the bits. The tissue it's in contact with is already dead. But what about the blisters? All the sources I read agree that blisters smaller than a quarter that didn't look as if they're ruptured spontaneously should be left alone. It's more comfortable for the patient and reduces infection rates. One can treat burn blisters like any other sort using moleskin or foam with a blister-sized hole cut out of it over the blister to pad the blister and provide some protection. So most but not all sources thought that broken blisters should be debrided. Debridement is med speak for getting rid of the dead tissue. So you can read more about it here. In the case of blisters, it means trimming away the top skin. There was also a majority opinion that blisters that were larger than a quarter or were over a joint or that otherwise looked like they would rupture on their own should be drained then debrided. An easy draining method is to prick the blister at its lowest point with a needle or safety pin. I generally run the needle through a flame or put some alcohol on it first to sterilize it. Now, come on, you do know to let it cool before using it, right? 
All right, so the next step would be to dress it up. You want to keep burns moist, but clean while they heal. So good old antibiotic-infused petroleum with gauze over top is a good choice. There are also several natural dressings that have proven themselves in trials, including honey and aloe vera. More on that here. Potato peel dressings were also useful. So clean and boil the potatoes aseptically. So use a tool you've dipped in alcohol or flame. Remove the pulp. Put peels with inside surface on the burned area. Yarrow, turmeric, and St. John's wort also showed some effect in animal trials, but haven't been well studied yet. So please note, passing along a message from an urgent care provider friend of mine, please don't put anything on the burn if you're going to take it in for professional care. Also, skip the butter entirely. <laughs> I remember back in the day when someone would burn themselves. That's what the parents would want. Like put some butter on it. Like, I, I don't know, like you're going to eat it or something. That was always something that they did. Right. But uh, that's interesting about the potatoes. I've never heard that one before, but that's, you know, that's really interesting. I guess if you don't have anything else, but again, you're dealing with the person who is, you know, in pain and dealing with the potato or, you know, you're having to heat up the potatoes and clean them and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, have the, uh, the skins ready to go. So that's very interesting there. If there's a lot of burned area, an overwrap may be used to keep it moist. Kitchen variety clean wrap over the top of the moist dressing seems to do well. Amniotic membrane can be used too. What? Don't have amniotic membrane in your back pocket? Well, me neither. Large sections would only come from placentas. Realistically, for most people, you can get enough for small burns by harvesting that membrane that lines the inside of an eggshell, the one that annoys you when you try to peel the cold boiled egg. Dressings should be changed at least once a day, they say. All right, so there's all these cool things you can do, like, you know, again, the potatoes and then the membrane from the egg and all that kind of stuff. But then I, we go back to the fact of just have first aid supplies, right? And it's easier said than done because what we've said before is that first aid supplies will go very, very quickly. And you think about somebody who has uh, a real serious burn that needs to be switched out. Uh, the bandages need to be switched out once or twice a day, you're going to go through a bunch of stuff, right? And so, uh, you know, I was uh, talking with some friends this weekend. One of them said something about CVS. So I don't know if you have a CVS near you, but uh, or even if you can order from them. But uh, he said that in the email, you'll, you normally you can get like a 40% off coupon. And so that's how he buys a lot of his uh, first aid supplies is that he gets this coupon at least like once a month and then he'll go order, you know, something from CVS with that. And that's a big percentage off. All right. So uh, moving on. So that's just a little bit more there for you. Uh, if you have CVS, if you want to shop there. All right. So moving on to pain control. Burns hurt a lot. Pain control is your friend. Over-the-counter non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs all varieties of aspirin, acetaminophen, Tylenol, ibuprofen, naproxen, Aleve, Excedrin, etc. help. Now, narcotic painkillers such as codeine and Oxycontin are the big stick. One can take both those and NSAIDs to reduce how much narcotic is needed. 
Icing does help control pain, but limit it to 20-minute episodes unless you want to over-restrict blood flow and slow healing. Also, avoid direct ice contact as it can cause frostbite. That'd be a heck of a note, giving yourself frostbite to treat a burn. What? Want to know more about frostbite? Here you go. So I swear, I'm not looking to put in links. I just keep stumbling over them. All right. So guys, if you haven't, again, with the uh, over-the-counter drugs, if you haven't listened to my interview with Dr. Bones, maybe this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'd like to say welcome. And uh, you know, you're starting out with the most recent podcast here. I did an interview with Dr. Bones uh, about over-the-counter medicine and over-the-counter medicine that really people should stockpile. And uh, we talked about expiration dates and all that kind of stuff. So if you haven't listened to that one, I would definitely would recommend that you listen to that one and then the other one that we recorded on antibiotics. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about rehydration. When large areas of skin are burned, there can be a surprising amount of fluid loss. Also, some of the blood fluid moves into the swelling, so blood volume gets too low. Rehydration is important in such cases. If there's 20% or less of the total body surface burned, so that's 20% TBSA, just feeding the person frequent small sips of rehydration fluid should do it. Gatorade and company, they'd probably work. So one recipe offered by the World Health Organization is this, a per liter of potable water, 3 8 teaspoon of salt, 1 4th teaspoon of salt substitute, that's potassium chloride, half a teaspoon of baking soda, 6 teaspoons of sugar. If you're not up to something quite that elaborate, you can drop the salt substitute and baking soda and use the salt to half a teaspoon. So more than 20% TBSA burn, that's a real problem. If you're set up to do IVs, there are a couple of recommendations. This is one of the simpler ones and comes from the Army. So 10 milliliters per percentage of TBSA per hour IV. So make sure they're maintaining a 0.5 milligram per kilogram per hour urine. And that's 1 milligram per per kilogram per hour for children. So roughly 50 milliliters an hour for a 220 pound man. So if you want a second opinion on IVs, the Parkland formula has been recommended. And so this one again is four milliliters per kilogram per percentage of TBSA of Ringer's lactate solution over the first 24 hours. So half of the fluid is given within the first eight hours after injury, and the other half is given over the next 16 hours. All right, guys, so that's a lot of information there, and a lot of people are not set up to do IVs, but uh, there is that information there. There's actually a little bit more information here. I'm going to skip that information in the parentheses there. So if you're not set up to do IVs, you can still give the rehydration drink. It can even be infused into the rectum to increase its uptake, which is helpful if the person can't tolerate drinking. So here's hoping you keep warm, but not too warm. So one of the things I like about Spice when she does her articles is that she does include links to her research. So uh, she has a little portion here, a little paragraph on references. There was a lot of agreement among various sources I read for this piece. Two sources that summarized a lot of it are below. The second one, a text for a wilderness med course run by the University of Utah, 
also has good information on other kinds of wounds. So there are links here for you to go check out. And uh, like I said, all throughout the article, but then at the end, resources that you can go check out. Now, there are seven comments here, and some of them are pretty extensive where people are leaving information and uh, good you know, links and different things like that, especially to uh, Hesperian. .org, and that's where you can find where there is no doctor, where there is no dentist. You can found, find those downloads. I was actually looking at them earlier this week. And so you can download PDF versions, but they also have hardback versions. And then somebody brought up, you know, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's books. Uh, the I always say their survival, wilderness, or survival handbook, uh, medical survival handbook should be the number one uh, book on any prepper's shelf. That should be number one. Their antibiotic book, probably number two. But, uh, you know, they, they do a good job because a lot of their information is thought through if there's no doctor at all, like, like you're in a real collapse situation. Some of the things that you will find in the book where there is no doctor is stabilize the patient and get them to medical care. Well, again, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy wrote their article or wrote their book as there is no medical care. Like you you can't get them to a hospital, right? And so if you really were in an SHTF situation, that's where you would be. So, but not only that, they have some really great information on uh, medicinal herbs and essential oils and all that good stuff on there. So definitely check out their books if you haven't. Uh, I'm always promoting their books. I think they're they're very, very helpful. All right, everybody, you know, again, like I've said before in the past, first aid is a big deal. And right now you can go to CVS or, you know, Walgreens or any other drugstore, you know, whatever you have near you and you can go get whatever you want, right? Sometimes it's expensive or whatever, but you can get, you know, pretty much whatever you want, whatever you need. If someone is sick, if someone hurt themselves, whatever, but there might be a time where you don't have that type of stuff. So having first aid supplies at home is smart. And the great thing about it is that some, you know, things like gauze and band-aids and stuff, they don't go, uh, they don't expire. You don't have to worry about that. If you keep them inside where it's not, you know, you don't try to go leave your medical supplies in a shed or something like that, you know, they're going to stay uh, they're going to be perfect if you keep them inside, like in a closet, you know, with a regular temperature, uh, you know, normal temperature, you're going to be okay with that. And they're, you know, you're always going to be able to use that stuff, right? So I always think that that's something the, the first aid supplies and then also the first aid uh, medical knowledge that you can acquire, I think is very, very helpful. There's a lot of people out there that have ideas that their parents told them like i go back again to the butter thing with the burns and uh i do things that people you know just recently i heard someone say back when i was in boy scouts they said this and i'm like no that is completely wrong do not do that right and so you know you have a bunch of people out there who think they have information and uh, might do more harm than good if people needed to uh, if you needed to treat people right in an emergency situation so uh, guys, like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes. I hope that you go and check it out. Click on some of the links and then also on the research information. You can get some more good information there. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 533. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on this 
podcast episode. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, any podcast network, really. We're on all of them. And uh, if you're having trouble, you can always come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and you can link to any of the podcast networks there. And that way, you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And I hope you take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.